0: Pass me not, O gentle Savior
1: Good morning. (laughs) Hey, I I hear some awakers out there. There's some good people awake. Come on in, everyone. We're going to call you in from the cafe so we can start worship together. How was your week? Good? Wonderful. We're so glad to hear that. That's good. It's good to see your faces. People are still coming in. So we're going to go ahead and get started. So why don't you guys stand with me? We're going to start our time with worship Hey, you know what's really wonderful that we as a worship team get to do every week and we're excited about it is that when we start practice before you guys get here, between 7.30 and 8, somewhere in there we start. And what we get to do is we get to actually talk about stepping into the throne room of God and standing before him. And that's what we're bringing you in with us now. So you get to stand in his throne room. You get to worship the King of Kings. And the man that loved you so much that he died for you. So we're excited about that. He's a good God. So let's, let's start worship together. We're going to wake you up a little bit this morning.
2: Sun goes down, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down.
1: Amen. Amen. Oh, would you pray with me? Let's just welcome him in this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. And I pray, Jesus, that as we get ready, to hear your word and to move through this service, Lord, that you'll just settle our hearts down, that this will be a time that we just tune in to what you want to do in us, that this will be a time that we set aside for you and not think about all the things of the week. It won't be a time that we think of the stresses, but we'll think about how good you are and that you have all things under control. Lord, I'm thankful that we can gather as brothers and sisters in one place, that we have the privilege of worshiping you publicly. And Lord, more than that, I'm just thankful that we can step into your throne room and have a personal conversation with you, that you can minister to us, that you can tell us that you love us right where we're at. And Lord, that you'll just take this whole time that we have together and you'll nurture us and grow us. You'll speak to us. And you'll give us peace through it all. Lord, I'm grateful for who you are. And I pray as we go through the rest of this service, Jesus, there's one one hour and a little more a week that we give to you. I just pray that we'll just climb up into your lap and wait for you to speak. I pray that you'll be with us and be with Pastor Ben as he brings your word. Lord, we're grateful for all you do for us, Lord, and we praise your name. We praise you for who you are and for all you're doing in our church, in our lives individually. You know where we're at and you meet us right there. So Lord, we give this to you. This is our offering praise and worship it's our offering of our, our time to you jesus where this world steals so much time but lord this is yours so bind us together and lord let us just love on you we love you so much father and we thank you and all your kids said amen would you guys turn and greet one another welcome welcome each other in from the week give a holy hug to one another, we're glad you're here. I also want to let the kids know that they can meet Miss Sharon in the back, and they can go with her.
3: Good morning. I am so glad that the Lord led you here to WP Naz this morning to worship together. It is so good to see each and every one of you today. I am going to put you to work. First of all, I just want to be sure everyone heard that the kids were dismissed to go back to their service. And... Um, Ms. Sharon, Pastor Sharon, is right back there with a flag, and she's heading back with the kids. So, kids, if you want to go back there, they're going to have a great time this morning. But I am going to ask each one of you to go ahead and pull out your handouts that you received as you walked through the door this morning. If you did not get a handout, Lance is going to be walking around um, with that and with some pens, pencils. So you're going to need some... um, Something to write with also. I'm going to really put you to work here. need to pull out that connection card, first thing, that is in, the, in your handout. And if you would pull that out, and on the back of that connection card, is a pr- it says prayer requests. And we would love to be praying for you this week. So if there's anything at all that, that you would like us to be lifting up in prayer this week, we would like to do that. Because God answers prayers. So go ahead and just take a minute, write down something on that prayer request side. And then on the other side, you can put your name and any other information that might have changed. Or um, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, I would love to be in touch with you this week. So go ahead and write that information down on that connection card. And then in just a few minutes, our ushers are going to come and uh, wait on us for morning tithes and offerings, and you can put um, that. And if you borrowed a pen, you could put that pen right back in the offering plate as well. So go ahead and put down that prayer request, and we will be praying for you this week. Thank you so much for doing that. And when you're finished with that, also in your handout, there's a half sheet. Now, there's two per in in the handouts for for couples so each person please submit one of these okay if you have two in your bulletin or in your handout there just submit one but just we just ask you to each person submit one of these now as you know um, we've gone back to Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene as the name of our church and we need to come up with a new logo and Many of you submitted incredible logos, and we thank you for that. And I think we're going to run through those that were submitted. Is that correct? Go ahead with that so you can see all the ones that were submitted. Boy, we have talent here in this church. Boy, thank you so much for all of those logos that you submitted So a lot of them were submitted, and again, I say thank you so much for those of you who submitted those. So the staff and the board, we went ahead and voted, and we came down to two. And those two are on this sheet of paper here for our new logo. So we would like for you to just circle your favorite logo of those two that is on the half sheet. Okay? So just take a second, go ahead and circle your favorite one of those two logos. And uh, again, we can put that in the offering plate in just a few minutes. So thank you so much for doing that. And everybody has that paper? If not, raise your hand, and Lance will be by with a paper if you need one. Okay? Again, one per person, please submit that. Also, just I want to um, remind you to be praying about our pastoral search. Um, they're be, there's going to be a Zoom meeting with a candidate this Thursday. So please be praying for our board as they meet with the, the candidate this Thursday. We appreciate that. And also, I forgot to congratulate Brienne Miller uh, to the birth of Raina Liana Jade Vanis. Van- Venezuela who was born on Wednesday to Brianne Miller and we congratulate her on the birth of this beautiful baby girl. I want to read to you from Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians five, beginning with verse twelve. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you. He is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our ushers are now going to come forward, and they're going to wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. And again, I just asked you to place that connection card and that vote on the logo in the offering plate along with your tithes and offerings. And I thank you for your generosity in giving to the Lord.
1: Amen. They... Yes, I will. Oh, Lord, thank you. seated God's going to lead us in our pastoral prayer this morning.
4: Let's go to the Father in prayer. Bow with me. Lord, we are grateful for this space and this time that we have together to worship, to seek you, to turn our faces towards you. we haven't yet, Lord, give us the clarity and peace in our minds of just dist- free from distractions so we can seek your face in an authentic way. We want to be like you, Lord. We want to hear from you, but we want to be more like you in all that we do. Give us that path, Lord. Give us the strength to walk the path that you have before us. We don't have the binoculars to see miles and miles down the road, but you give us enough light for that next step, Lord. Your light is a light into our path, but it's just enough for that next step because we still have to put our faith in you for the journey. We thank you for creating it the way that it needs to be. Sometimes we wish it would be the way we want. Uh, You could send us text messages on what to do next, Lord, but we we don't get that. We have to seek you. We have to run after you. We have to yearn for you for what next Lord we thank you for all the ways that you bless us and was just thinking Lord all the ways that you save us you save us in so many ways when we are a part of the family of God you save us in many ways you save us from sin you save us from walking a path that we don't have to anymore You give us the strength to say no to sin and to overcome temptation. We thank you for that. You save us and you give us the promise of eternal life. That's amazing. We just would soak that up in our our daily life. And, and, and truly embrace the glory of that truth that you give us eternal life. How would we be different, Lord, if we were to live out your truth and live out the understanding of walking in the path and the truth of being eternal people? Because eternity starts now, Lord. It doesn't start when we die it starts now and we thank you for that that your grace and your truth and your beauty and your glory all is accessible today what a miracle again Lord give us the strength to walk that path because there's a lot of work to be done on the path that, has, that is before us as Christians. We're called to do a lot of things. Spreading your word is one of them. And if we're spreading it through the words of our mouth or the actions of our life or our love, give us that strength to do just that. We thank you, Lord, for saving us in so many ways. Be with us and be with Pastor Ben as he comes and brings this morning's word. Let us be excited for something new and refreshing from, from you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
5: Scott, and thanks for being here on a windy Sunday morning. It was a windy Saturday night, too. I woke up about 1.40 to the sound of the church dumpster rumbling across the parking lot and crashing into the curb on the far side. I thought a semi was coming into our bedroom. If we had uh, three or four able-bodied men or women after service that would want to push that dumpster back up in place, that would be great. Otherwise, Kelly and I will take care of it this afternoon, I guess. Hey, you uh, voted on a new logo just now. I got the results. Want to hear it? The winner is that top logo on that half sheet. That's a nice one. And, uh, I want to add my thanks to everyone who submitted one. We really do have some talent in this church. I like the one that you picked, especially because it has the cross there to the right of the uh, mountains, and I think that's uh, tremendous. You'll begin to see that soon on stationary website and other places, so thank you for that. Speaking of thanks, thanks to Dr. Floyd Cunningham two Sundays ago. I thought he gave a great message raised our vision for what God is doing through the Church of the Nazarene around the world, 160-plus countries. That was awesome. Thanks to Kelly for a great message last week, growing in grace. I hope we are. I always try to uh, have people preach for me when I'm not preaching that aren't so good so that I look better when I get back in the pulpit, but I have failed miserably in that department this time. So I'm going to try to step it up today. Pastor Scott is going to be preaching for us next week, the guy that just prayed with us today and looking forward to that message well what floyd or kelly neglected to do when they preached was to show a picture of my granddaughter emmy and so i will not disappoint i don't think is there a picture of emmy back there somewhere there she is come on now Four teeth and a couple molars coming into boot. Is she just the most beautiful kid you've ever seen in your life? Okay. Now, it's hard to imagine now that that little girl will inevitably sin. Yeah, that's a bummer. Talk about a downer of a way to start a message. Go ahead and move that picture off there because she's going to be a distraction. But it's true. I remember the first time I did something I knew was wrong. And I did it intentionally. You might get a kick out of this story. You want to hear about it? I have a little brother named Jeff. He was four or five at the time. I was seven or eight. We lived in an old house on Alberta Street, Columbus, Ohio. And I had the bad habit of playing with matches. And I remember one evening, I had drawn my bath. We uh, had a no shower, had, a, do you call it a bear claw bathtub? And uh, the water was in there, and I was getting ready for my bath, and I decided it would be fun to light a uh, long piece of toilet paper just to see what it would do before my bath. It was up there alone, and I did. Buddy, that thing went like this, as you might expect, and I threw that flaming piece of toilet paper over uh, on top of a plastic coated clothes hamper. Well, it melted the plastic on top of that and I went into a panic. I got my wash rag and dipped it in my bath water and tried to wipe that thing down and there's ashes on my on my wash rag and I threw it in the bathtub and then there were ashes floating on the water in the bathtub and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I walked out of the bath room and over to the top of the steps and I yelled down the steps and I said, Mom, come see what Jeff did. <laughs> I flat out lied. And for the next, I think, 45 minutes or so, my mom lectured and reamed my little brother out and he, he denied it, he cried, I didn't do it and I didn't say a thing. I didn't confess that until I was in college. Where does that come from? I was seven or eight. I was a good kid. I was a behavioral science major in college. That was a combination of sociology and psychology. And I can tell you, there are all kinds of theories regarding human behavior and why we do what we do and all the rest. The predominant theory is that we come into this world a blank slate and life experiences kind of ruin us, mess us up. But that's not what the scriptures say. It was in my nature. It's in little Emmy's nature. We were with Abby and Jared, Emmy's mom and dad. When Emmy came into this world, she was healthy, whole, and beautiful. But like all the rest of us, she was spiritually stillborn. Ephesians 2.1, as for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's where that comes from. It's a bent to go our own way, do our own thing, make our own decisions. And we miss the mark of God's good and pleasing and perfect will. So here's the reality for all of us that come of this fallen world. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are all sinful. But here's the good news. Thanks be to God. He's got the remedy for both of those problems. And that's where I want to go in preaching these days. Against that backdrop, I want to turn back to 1 Thessalonians 5. If you have your Bible or Bible apps, open to that uh, final chapter in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And here's my message today. Entire sanctification. Now, just to preface this message, that is the distinctive doctrine of the Church of the Nazarene. One of the reasons we came into existence uh, 115 so years ago. And I want to give some context to that uh, second definite work of grace that happens in the heart and life of a believer in this message today. I'll actually only get to that particular belief near the end of the message and want to talk about God's sanctifying work in general as we head that direction. Let me reintroduce this series that I'm in the middle of. This is my third message. On the subject of holiness. We began uh, where I believe every series on holiness needs to begin and that's with the holiness of God because God said be holy for I am holy. In the presence of a holy God we fall on our knees. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up heard the angels singing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty He said, he cried, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. and I live among a people of unclean lips. When Moses asked to see God's glory, he didn't know what he was asking for. The Bible says that no man could look on the Lord and live. And in order to show Moses uh, something of his glory, he hid him in the cleft of the rock. And he said, don't look at me until I'm past you. Look at my back. Even our encounters with angels who live in the presence of a holy God cause us to tremble so that every time they show up they have to say, oh, fear not, don't be afraid. But our holy God loves us so much that he made a way back to him. When we sinned in the beginning of time, God made a way for our relationship to be restored. He invites us to come to him. He loves us so much that in the fullness of time, God came to us in the person of Jesus. I told you in that first message, I need at least two words to describe God. Those two words would be holy love. And that should describe us as well in the lives that we live and the people that we are. In that second message in this series, I borrowed a John Wesley term, love made perfect. Love is really the end result of God's sanctifying work. Love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us. There is a holiness that isn't loving. We have to avoid that at all costs. There is a holiness that isn't loving, that keeps all the rules but forgets why they were given in the first place, that forgets the purpose we were set apart for to join God in saving the world, that keeps all the commandments except the two most important ones to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. There is a holiness that isn't loving, there is a love that isn't holy. A misguided love that is absent truth, that neglects the commands of God, that rarely if ever speaks or lives truth, that rarely if ever corrects or disciplines, it's anything goes kind of love. In this third message, I want to focus on the work of God in our lives that bears the fruit of holy love. And what we need to do to be available to that uh, work of God. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, before Paul wraps up his letter to that church, he leaves us with a beautiful prayer. I have to believe that his prayer has in mind all the instructions that he's given in this letter and all his desires for that church. Let's hear that prayer. Again, at verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you, is faithful, and he will do it. And all God's people said, amen. Paul's prayer was that all God's people be sanctified. Sanctified. There's that word again. Simply describing God's work in you to make you holy. The Greek word there is hagiadzo. That's kind of a fun word to say. Hagiadzo. To separate from profane things and dedicate to, to purify, to cleanse externally, to purify internally. We hear the two facets of holiness in that word. Facet one, relative to our fallen human nature, we are made new. We're transformed. We're purified. Acts fifteen nine. Peter is given a defense to the council in Jerusalem about bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world, to the non-Jews. And in the ninth verse of that 15th chapter, he said, God did not discriminate between us and them, For he purified their hearts by faith, just like he did for us. The Apostle John in his first letter, the ninth chapter, first chapter, ninth verse, first chapter, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's the inward result of God's sanctifying work, that facet of holiness, The motive of our lives coming from within us is love. God changes us from the inside out. Here's a picture for you. Back in 2001, Kelly and I bought an old farmhouse back in Maryland, a real fixer-upper. There it is. (laughs) They actually moved it from one lot to another. It was on rollers for a few months out in the field. Kelly would see that uh, house out there while she walked her dog in that neighborhood. It needed rewired, it needed replumbed, it needed an HVAC system, it needed resighted, we had to refinish the floors. All kinds of work on that. But a few months and a lot of work later, it was a whole new place. Here's picture number 2. I show you that because we are all a renovation project and we added onto that house by the way too. <laughs> That's you and me. We're renovation projects. God is restoring us, restoring our lives to the people that we are intended to to, to be made in his image. Okay, you can take that picture down. That's the first facet of holiness, that that inner work. And then there's the facet that's relative to the world. We're set apart uh, from the world. That inner work always has a, an outer effect. Our lives, our attitudes, our views, our values will be different than the prevailing patterns of the world. We will recognize our purpose. The interchange will have outward results. We'll realize we're on mission. That old farmhouse that sat out on rollers unused and run down in a field became a home for our family. And a place of hospitality where we shared meals and had meetings and guests overnight. and it, it served a new purpose. Those are the two facets of holiness that we hear in that word sanctify. And all of that will be happening increasingly in our lives as, going back to last week's message, we grow in grace. As we understand more and more of God's will and his plan for us. God's sanctifying work is a lifelong work. Anybody that owes a home knows that there's always something to be done, (laughs) some repair, some improvement, something that needs clean. So it is in the sanctifying work of God. In this prayer that Paul leaves us with, he says God himself sanctifies. God himself not just us trying to get our act together God himself sanctifies Kelly said it last Sunday it's God's work first of all now we have work to do amen we have an effort to make but our work is empowered by and a result of God's work in us I think one of the best illustrations for this is a dance Ken meet was a blind singer-songwriter. The only other time I've been in uh, Colorado was 1978. I was a senior in high school at Nazarene Youth Conference in Estes Park. And I remember Ken Miedema coming out onto the platform and sitting down at the piano. He was a remarkable guy. I think he's still living. He can sit at a piano bench and write a song on the spot. And when he came out, and this will date me, 2,000 teenagers' flash cameras were going off all over the place. But he wrote a song titled, She Asked Me to Dance, and he draws a parallel between our relationship with God and his work and ours to a dance. I'm not a dancer. I could tell last week Larry isn't either. But some of you are, and we can all imagine that. And uh, if I'm going to dance with God, I've got to move, right? I've got to hold on. But he leads. Someone always leads. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the picture that I get when I think of my work and God's work. It's always following his lead. God himself sanctifies. And here's the good news. He changes lives. That's what we're talking about here in this fancy theological word. He changes us. Thank goodness that I don't have to be the same tomorrow as I am today. Thank goodness there's still hope for me, for you too. He takes hard-hearted people that life has done wrong and turns them into big-hearted caregivers. He takes hurt people and heals their spirits. He takes addicts and makes them more than congers. He takes spiritually dead people, and that's all of us, and brings them to life. He takes lost people and leads them home. Kelly mentioned my stepdad last Sunday, three and a half years into his marriage to my mom and attending Nazarene services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, back in the day, that's what we did, three and a half years into it, I was shocked when at Augusta First Church of the Nazarene, he stepped out of that back row and went up the aisle and knelt on an altar of prayer and was gloriously saved. And he was never the same. Quit smoking. He had never been able to do that before. Quit drinking. He said that if it weren't for my mom and Jesus, he would have been an alcoholic. Had that hunger for the Word through the Bible five times in those first couple of years. God changes lives. Don't believe it? Put them to the test. Ask Him to change yours. Seek Him. Open His Word. Open your heart. Pray. Do what He says. See if He doesn't change you. It is God himself who sanctifies you. Paul says he is the God of peace. I love that word. He's the God of peace. Do you know there's only 63 days until Christmas? Why do I say that? Because one of my favorite Christmas songs of late is one written by Michael W. Smith, I believe. All is well? Oh. YouTube that today. Do the Michael W. Smith, Carrie Underwood version of all is well. All is well. All is well. Angels and men rejoice for tonight darkness fell into the dawn of love's light always will the Greek word here is arene to be used to describe a state of national tranquility couldn't we use a little bit of that these days exemption from the rage and havoc of war peace between individuals harmony, concord I suppose we've all experienced a little bit of that Roman 7 conflict I know the good I want to do, but I can't do it. And the good and the, what I don't want to do, what I hate, I do. And there's this inner you know, turmoil and, and, and struggle. And whether we're aware of it or not, in our unredeemed state, we're at odds with God. I'd be surprised if the Jewish Paul would not have had the Hebrew shalom. In mind as he describes God as the God of peace here. it's more than just the absence of conflict, although that's that's a good thing, amen. That's a start. It's this wholeness, this this completeness. I read an article. On a messianic Jewish website about uh, the word shalom, the root word is shalom. One of the first uses of the word shalom in the Torah is in Exodus twenty-one and twenty-two. In this, these two chapters, it's used fourteen times. Moses is giving instructions to the people about what to do when someone causes material loss. When that loss or injury occurs, the owner is considered lacking or not complete. The one responsible for the loss is responsible to make things right. In the translation of those two chapters, shalom is translated in various ways. Make it good, shall surely pay, make full restitution, or restore. The ancient Hebrew meaning of shalom was to make something whole again not just regarding the practical restoration of things that were lost or stolen, but with an overall sense of fullness and completeness in mind, body, and estate for that person who has suffered the loss. It's putting their life back the way it was and intended to be. By the sounds of Paul's prayer, that's exactly what God wants for us. And the goal of his sanctifying work, for Paul prays that the God of peace will sanctify us through and through, so that our whole spirit, soul, and body, in other words, every facet of who we are, may be kept blameless and complete at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Almost every week, maybe almost every day, I hear stories of people whose lives are just a wreck. Am I right? It's such a broken world. We're such broken people. There are so many broken relationships. Just look around at our world, at our families, at our neighborhoods, at our community, and you'll see the effects of sin unchecked unaddressed, of missing the mark of God's good and pleasing and perfect will, missing the instructions of the God who, who made us and created this world and leaned down into it and said, okay, here's what you need to do to make this work, to live life to the full. We can educate and we can medicate and we can legislate and we need to do all of those things. But we need a change of heart and only God can do that. The Greek word translated through and through here means complete in all its parts in no part wanting or unsound complete entire whole free from sin faultless complete in all respects consummate. In terms of God's sanctifying work there is no facet of life no square foot of this planet no aspect of our person that God does not want to sanctify, that God does not want to make holy, that God does not want to transform for his glory. Amen? God wants to and will forgive sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103. God wants to and will free us from the power of a fallen, sinful nature. Where does all that come from? Romans 6, 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And let me add a third thing that I believe God wants to do. God wants to heal us of all the collateral damage that sin, our own sin and other sin, as it affects us, has caused in our lives. It's about this time in the message that I'm thinking to myself, I have way too much material here. I was waiting for that. but I want to linger here just for a minute. I'll thank you after I'm done for being so patient and listening. We only have a few more months here. On that third part, I just want to linger. God wants to take our dysfunction and make us functional. You tracking with me? Like, I can be saved and entirely sanctified, and I'll actually get to that distinctive doctrine here in a bit. But there's still work to do. It's a lifetime of work. And the collateral damage of of sin in my life and in this world is, is incredible. I don't think I'm still fully functional. Ask Kelly, and she'll confirm that. I grew up in a family, and I appreciate all that my mom and stepdad did for me. For example, when we had conflict in our home, everyone shut down. I cannot remember one time uh, our family talking through anything. And I'll tell you what, you take that into a marriage, that's going to be trouble. And I'm still working on that. It's just amazing. Can you think of something in your life? that you just continue to carry with you, maybe from your family of origin, maybe because of what life has done to you along the way. But God wants to do something about that. He wants to take our anger, our fear, our resentment, our hurt, our shame, our guilt, and all the list go, and make us whole again. So many Christians don't let God work on that collateral damage. We need to let God work in the deepest parts of our heart, sanctify us through and through. And that will mean hard work, deep work. It will mean being vulnerable, not only with God, but with others. I'm convinced of that. It will take all the means of grace that God has given us, including the people sitting around you right now. It will take courage and trust. But the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I'm big on the means of grace. By that I mean Bible reading and prayer and corporate worship and Christian fellowship. Get in those small groups. Let's share life together. I believe most of God's sanctifying work happens over time in everyday kinds of ways as we devote ourselves to those means of grace, to those disciplines of the Christian life, as we live in community. I just can't emphasize that enough. Until we can get real with each other, we're going to limit the changes that God can make in us. I remember the day years ago, and you might think this is weird, but I think, I believe... I'm pretty convinced that God told me years ago, he said to me, Ben, you're relying too much on me and not enough on others. Now, that just may apply to me, but are you getting what he might be saying to the likes of me there? That house we renovated, we could not have done that without the help of friends. That's a whole other story. so I'm big on all of that but and here's maybe where I begin to preach to myself even more it's God that's in all of that it's his grace it's his help it's his work that's being done through those means of grace through those disciplines of the Christian life through those people and let's not underestimate what God can do what God can do in a transforming moment of time. He did it when we were born again. We went in that moment of faith when we invited Jesus into our heart, when we decided to follow Jesus, when we gave our heart and life to God, however you want to describe it. He took us from death to life, from darkness to light. We were new creations in that moment, in a moment. Amen? And there will be other significant moments in which God does something miraculous. I can remember those moments in my life, count them on one or two hands perhaps, a lot of everyday growth and, and grace in between. There are other moments, and here's where I get to this distinctive doctrine of the Church of the Nazarene, we Nazarenes and others like us have long believed in that second definite work of God's grace in the heart and life of a believer, by which a believer is cleansed of, made free from the power of that original sin or that sinful nature. Where does all that come from? There. A work of God that equips and empowers us for the Life of service that God has called us to. We've called that entire sanctification. So just a quick side note here to make sure I'm doing as best I can. If you hear the term sanctification or sanctify, that's a thats a broad term. That work of God to change our lives, to, to restore us, to begins at the moment we're saved. And it will last a lifetime. We've described a... Second key moment after we're born again, when God entirely sanctifies us in those two words. That's another moment, another work of God. Does that make sense? And don't let the word entire throw you. Even with that second definite work of God's grace, we're still not finished. We recognize that, right? Every work of God in a moment of time leads to uh, more growth. There is a lifetime of growth and work in grace. So what's entire and entire sanctification mean? God brings us to a place of entire devotion to him. The holy obedience of love made perfect, John Wesley would say. When we can say with a hymn writer, I have one deep supreme desire, that I may be like Jesus. When we can say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ, and to die it's Cain. When we can testify that we love the Lord our God with all our mind and soul and heart and strength. You might ask, why don't we get all of that when we're born again? Well, we could have, perhaps some have. God's capable of doing that but in my experience, it doesn't seem to be the norm. Why does this second definite work of grace seem necessary? I think it may be a matter of understanding on our part. God generally doesn't meet a need that we don't know we have. When we're born again, we may recognize and are sorry for our sins, telling that lie about our little brother when we were seven or eight. We will ask God to forgive us, recognize in that moment that He loves us, that we love Him, believe in Him. But perhaps we don't recognize that we have a fallen sinful nature, don't yet recognize that God has not only saved us from something, but for something. It may be a matter of availability. Maybe at that moment of saving faith, we're not yet ready to be all in. Maybe we don't even recognize that call. I was 10 years old when I invited Jesus into my heart. I absolutely believe he saved me in that moment. And I've been walking in uninterrupted fellowship with God since then. But I didn't understand everything when I was 10. But on March 29th, 1976, at the age of 16, I did. And I can still remember coming up an aisle at an altar of prayer at the West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene at the end of a revival service and saying, here I am, God. In that moment, God sets us free from the power of that sinful nature. Told you I had too much material. <laughs> I think and maybe overthink things, try to anticipate every question. But I'm coming down to stretch. Good news. God does not free us from the possibility of sinning. But God does give us the desire and the ability to, to stop willfully and continuously sinning. My experience tells me that we all may have something of that struggle in Romans 7, still trying to overcome some things. There's still that going on in our lives, uh, whatever. But by God's grace and sanctifying power, <laughs> I'm going to pick on a song right now. Close your ears, Lori. By God's grace and sanctifying power, we can do better than prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I always try to get ahead of that song back home and rewrite that in good Wesleyan terms. Prone means likely to wander. We can get way past that. I am not likely to wander from God. In fact, God's sanctifying work in me has created in me a desire when I do fall short and I do fall short, I go to him. I'm not prone to wander. We don't have to live that way. By God's grace and sanctifying work, we can come to a place when we are prone to stay the course, prone to stick with God. God does His sanctifying work by filling us with the Holy Spirit. Don't we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved? Yeah, absolutely we do. It's not that we get more of the Holy Spirit in that moment of entire sanctification the Holy Spirit gets more of us. That home that you saw back in Maryland had some tenants in it for five months. We're trying to rent that out while we're here. And the, the tenants, the, the folks that, that live there have the run of the house mostly. Can't go in the haddock. There's some storage areas that we locked with some stuff that we didn't want people into. They can't use the gas grill on the, Uh, porch, and can't use the wood-burning stove in the living room. And some of us live our lives that way with God. Okay, God, here I am, but not this room or not that room or not this facet. In that moment uh, of entire sanctification, we give God the run of the house. We've uh, wrestled with this doctrine through the years in our church, and I have personally. But my experience tells me uh, there are so many that testify to coming to that place when they realize, oh wow, I understand this fully now, and want to give myself fully to God. Um, I tried to think of a good analogy, and they all fall a little short, but. talk about Kelly and I and you can think about your own marriage if you're married or have been there was a moment when I knew I loved Kelly and we were dating and getting to know each other and and all and that's uh, you know that love began right right in that moment it's kind of like when we're saved wow God loves me I love him but then as you get to know each other and understand what uh, that relationship is all about you get to that place where You decide to marry. And on October 19th, yeah, it just happened this past week, 37 years, in a New England church on a beautiful October day, we committed ourselves to each other. That wasn't the end of the journey, not by a long shot. There's where we fully committed ourselves to each other in a relationship that was already loving, that already existed, but went to a new level. Let death do his part. Don't forget that, Kelly. While 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and 24 may not be a proof text for the doctrine of entire sanctification, it certainly is a clear indication of God's desire that we be sanctified and a clear indication of the scope of God's sanctifying work of grace through and through. Every facet of who we are. And this prayer is the prayer for everyone here today. That's God's will for you and for me. And thanks be to God, so is the promise that comes with it. One who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So, what is our part? I think you've probably figured that out by now. Be available, be hungry, seek him, humble ourselves. Our call is to full surrender. You might have noticed this image behind the sermon title. It was on purpose. What is that? It's a white flag. That's what you wave when you give it up. I don't know if you read that Wednesday word of encouragement. We don't like surrendering. We don't like defeat. But actually in the context of the Christian life and of what God wants to do in you and in me, that is a sign of victory. It's that right-side-up kingdom. It's that counterintuitive thing as we look at the gospel through the lens of our own culture. The road to life is death. To ourselves and our own self-rule to sin. I love what C.S. Lewis says, and I'm near the end. The end of his book, Mere Christianity. He says, The principle of... Runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, or in the modern term, go find yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in. Full surrender. Whatever you believe about the doctrine of entire sanctification, I'm 100% certain of God's desire, God's demand for full surrender for us. Romans 12.1, therefore, in view of God's mercy, brothers and sisters, present your bodies, yourselves, your lives, living sacrifices. Laid on the altar, not to be taken up again to go back home. Living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your spiritual worship. I believe what I'm talking about today, and I don't know how well I've done with it, is the great need of the church today. We have got to be all in if God is going to do all he wants to do in us. And if he can't do all he wants to do in us, then he will not be able to do all he wants to do. Two in this world he's restoring the world saving the world one life at a time i want mine to be one how about you invite our worship team to come they're gonna introduce us to a new song today and i think today we could probably just uh listen to the words and i pray i pray that uh, this song captures the desires of our heart today and as they, as they sing, these altars are open. You can see God where you are, wherever that is and however that looks. Let's, let's just, as the old timers used to say, let's stand in a moment as if we were standing in the day of judgment before the presence of the Lord Jesus. And, and let's let him just speak to us. Are we all in? Are we all in? I hope we are, but if we're not, today can be that day when, in a moment of time, God can can break the power of canceled sin in your life. Or maybe you're thinking of some of that collateral damage in you. I've still got some of that. Maybe we need to renew our commitment to just make ourselves available to all the means of grace that God has for us. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lori, for being willing to to share this song with us. Let's let's hear it. Praise be to His name. I found myself praying for people that are in the midst of a life or death battle and they're losing and they don't have to. But God can give us victory in our lives. He can give us the power and the grace that we need to live the life that he's called us to. Amen. Father, I pray that you continue your good work in us. Searched us and you know us, each one of us here. I trust you to continue to speak and to work, to guide and lead. Lord, help us to be available. We offer ourselves to you. Thank you for your good word. Thank you for restoring us, loving us having the very best in mind for us, God. We're grateful for that. And now, Father, as we leave this place, help us to be Christ's hands and feet, his eyes and ears in this world that really does need you. Help us to love as you loved us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed.
0: Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth's become so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over. Always looking around, but never looking up. I'm so double minded. A plank eyed saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sin.